Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be with all of our listeners again today. How blessed we are to be able to come together over the airwaves of the radio or through the medium of the internet by podcasting and be able to get into God's Word and study it so openly. You know, it's just not that way everywhere in the world. In some places, if you were to be seen teaching or maybe even reading your Bible in public, you might be arrested. We're so blessed with the freedoms we have in this country. We need to take that seriously. We need to take that thankfully as a blessing from God. All good things, every perfect gift, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. James chapter 1 and verse 17. We're thankful to be here with you. We're thankful to be able to teach God's word on such a widespread basis. And again, we're thankful that there are people out there like you who want to listen, who want to be in God's word. And that's critical for our spiritual lives because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out in person. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Many of our radio listeners have done that over the years, and many have stayed on with us. We encourage you to come and worship God with us, study his word with us, grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30, and then Sunday evenings, 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to recharge our spiritual batteries. We come back together each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. We hope to see you soon. Now, if you're listening in another area, we're thankful you're there. And we pray that as you stay with us through these radio programs and search the scriptures, that your faith, your knowledge is growing and your faith is growing stronger. We encourage you follow through. Contact us. You can do that through our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, or you can phone us at 402-498-8397. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to send you free Bible studies through the postal mail. All you have to do is ask, and when we say free, we mean exactly that. They're free. We're going to get back into the new line of study that we began last time. We're talking about another one of, those, one of those heart troubles that we have been trying to get across to people. And this one is about fear. Fear. Now, we made the point that a whole lot of people find themselves not just handicapped by some fear, but they actually find themselves paralyzed in relation to that particular form of fear. Now, as I said, used to be some time back, uh, one issue of our English dictionary listed 30 different phobias. And a phobia is a particular fear that is focused on a particular situation that will cause a person to be basically incapable of acting in that particular situation. 
As I said, some people have a phobia about spiders. They just cannot stand to be around spiders, maybe not even be able to look at them, let alone deal with there's a spider over there. He's, wo he's woven a web over in the corner of your room there. Well, you can't, you can't even look at it. You can't let much less go over there and try to, to get rid of it, to deal with it. Other people have all kinds of phobias, all kinds of phobias. Some people, as I said, they isolate themselves to their own homes, apartments, maybe in big cities, because they have a fear of being outside in public. And so they spend years really just confined to the walls, the four walls of their own dwelling place, whether it's a home or whether it's an apartment. And it may be, again, in a huge city of millions of people, but they won't go out because they have a phobia against that. Can't bring themselves to get out. They, they can't, if they were to step out, they might find themselves in a, in a panic state, maybe even having a difficult time breathing. Well, all kinds of phobias. As I said, that one issue back sometime back in our, that English dictionary listed 30 different phobias, but there are far more than that that have been identified now. And according to one alphabetized list available today, as I was going through it, I, as I said, I stopped counting after the letter C's <laughs> that were identifying them, I, you know, labeling them. And, and even after the letter C's, there were well over 100 different phobias listed, categorized, identified. Well, how much... How many more are there beyond the letter C's? Well, I don't know. I just stopped counting after that. Now, while phobias are extreme exp expressions of fear, just regular fear that we experience on a common basis, that also can be crippling to us and even paralyzing. As I said, the fear of rejection forces many people to not even apply for certain jobs because they, they've, they're afraid they'll be rejected. Well, the person, <laughs> what can they do to you other than say, no, not going to hire you. But they're afraid of, be, of rejection, so they don't, even, they don't even apply for that job, even though they may desperately need a job to provide income to live on and income for their family. And for the same reason, others never develop relationships with people they would love to have relationships with because they're afraid, they fear being rejected in trying to develop those relationships. Some people are afraid of humiliating themselves to the point that they'll never do anything that they think might call attention to themselves, even though they're not looking for that attention, because they're afraid that if they fail doing that, then people will belittle them, look down on them, make fun of them, ridicule them. And the fear of failure, the fear of failure will cause a whole lot of people to not attempt to do things they could do to not try to accomplish things they could accomplish because they're so afraid that they'll fail at it that they won't even take the matter in hand. They'll just not do it, not even try. Well, as I said, the fear of failure has been identified as the father of failure. We look by way of illustration at Matthew chapter 25, verses verses. Uh, 14 through 30. And there we find 
we found our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, telling a parable. Again, a parable was a story. Could it have really been a true-to-life story in that it actually happened? It's possible because the details in the story are true to life. And so it's something that we can relate to. We can say, yeah, I can understand how that could happen. But the parable is meant to teach a lesson, a specific lesson, rather than simply telling a story about somebody I knew who did this or did that or whatever, and this happened. Now, Jesus was telling a parable to get across the higher message of our spiritual lives and ultimately eternity. So he he began by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Now, I believe we're to understand from the 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 application of the parable that, that the man traveling to a far country is Jesus. Shortly after he told this parable, he was going to be on the cross, and then he was going to be in the tomb, and then he was going to be risen from the dead, and then he was going to ascend back to heaven, where various texts of Scripture say, Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, for uh, example, that he's coming back one day to call all mankind from all time to judgment. We will all stand before his judgment seat. We will all give account for how we have lived our lives during this physical life here in this world. We'll all be held accountable. And so, the man traveling to the far country, okay, the spiritual application is what Jesus is trying to get across here, but he's using a real-life kind of story to get the principles across. And so he says, so he called his own servants and, de- and delivered his goods to them. Now, when you think about who could be the servants, that's those who are faithful followers of Jesus, those who have become true Christians. When Jesus was ready to ascend back to heaven after the resurrection, he was with his apostles and he told them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16 verses 15 and 16. Luke records that great commission. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, Jesus said, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Matthew recorded that great commission. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age of the world. Amen. So what is it? What are the goods that Jesus has left for us? We're the followers. We're faithful Christians. True Christians are the servants. And so what are the goods that he leaves to us? His word, the gospel message of salvation, Christianity, the way to eternal life, that we are to go out and teach to lost souls everywhere on an ongoing basis, generation after generation. So verse 15 in the parable says, and to one of his servants, this man who 
left to a far country, to one of his servants who gave five talents. Now, talents were a sum of money. To another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. And we might think of talents as blessings of ability that God has blessed us with, each one of us individually. Now, some people, when it comes to their spiritual lives, when it comes to, quote, unquote, church, they say, I can't do nothing. <laughs> they, they, they don't hold themselves accountable for doing anything. I can't do anything. I don't have any talents. Uh, you mean when God made you, he made junk? Of course you have talents. You have abilities. You just may not have thought about them as such. You have relationships with people that are unique to you to a great extent. You have influence with those people that other people don't have. And you could talk to them in a very simple way and say, hey, you know, where do you go to church? Do you go to church? I noticed you're struggling, it seems like. Hey, how about, how about coming to church with me Sunday? We're just simple. You know, we just teach the Bible. Very straightforward. You don't have to dress up. So you have, you have talents. You have abilities. You just may not have thought about them as such. But to one servant, the man gave five talents. To another two. To another one. Each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey. Then he who had received the five talents, he went and traded with them and made five more talents. So he earned a profit for his master while the master was off, going someplace on a trip. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. So he made a profit. He was faithful to what had been entrusted to him. But he who had received one talent, he went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He was non-productive. Now, he would have said, I didn't lose it. I protected it. But that's not what his master had left that sum of money with him for. He expected him to use it in a productive way, to at least try. But he didn't even try. So when the master came back, he called his servants to account. Verse 19, and the one who had received the five talents he gave his master back those five talents and then the prophet, five more talents. Same thing with the man who had received two talents. He gave it back to his, to his master with two more talents. The prophet he had gained, he had earned for his master, being faithful to the service that his master had entrusted him with before he left. <clears throat> but, and, and in both of those cases, their master pronounced for those servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, that statement, on the final day of judgment, when we will all stand before our Lord and Savior and give account of our lives on this, this earth, how we've lived them, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear, enter into the joy of your Lord. We want to be ushered through those pearly gates and walk those golden streets in heaven. But you see, we have to live a life that is 
responsible to what God or what Jesus has entrusted us with as Christians. We have to spread his word. We have to do the good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should be involved in them. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, or chapter 8 and also verse 14. Now, we need to recognize that, that God expects us to be in service to him while our Lord is still away, waiting for that final day of judgment. When the one talent man, the one who had received the one talent, and we should not look, up, look down upon him for the, his master saying, you know, I understand this particular servant only has the limited abilities to be able to deal with a lesser sum of money that I'm leaving in his, in his responsibility. Uh, no, he, he just simply expected him to do what he was capable of doing with what he was able to work with. But when he came back, when the master came back and this particular man who had received just one talent stood before him, he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, there's fear, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So in his mind, he protected it. He protected what was left in his trust. He didn't lose it, but that's not what his master was expecting from him. His Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Huh. Verse 27, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him. And then, verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant, the one who let fear handicap him to the point where he did nothing positive with what was entrusted to him. Cast him into the outer darkness. Now, what does that describe for you? Hell is described as outer, a place of outer darkness. And also, a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so, his Lord, his master, said, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, we're talking about, in this particular parable, where we're at now in this world, God has given us our lives, and he's also blessed us with all kinds of blessings, many of which we don't even think about, but we take advantage of them, whether we realize it or not. But he expects us to live for him. He expects us to be the shining lights that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. He expects us to let our Christian influence shine in the world around us that is lost in sin, in the darkness of sin, that others may see our good works and glorify God. He expects us to live that Christian life, to be that influence on others around us, to help them see the way out of their condemnation of sin and into forgiveness and redemption and eternal life in Christ. And on that final day of judgment, we will be held accountable 
for how we have lived our lives. Have we lived up to what God entrusted us with? Or will we stand there and try to plead a case of, I was too afraid of messing up, of failing to do what I should have done in being an active servant of yours, my Lord. Will we, will, will we, we be end up like that one talent man who will be pronounced wicked, lazy, and ultimately suffer the condemnation of eternity in hell? Well, let's think about fear. Now, some people might say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember reading in the Bible about fear God. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, you're saying that fear is a bad thing. Fear is something we ought to to try to stay away from. We ought to try to overcome. Fear is one of the devil's most effective tools in keeping us ineffective, ineffective as followers of God. Lots of people, they're faced with the reality. They come to understand. They come to believe. They need to repent of their sins in their life. They need to be baptized into Christ so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse them of the guilt of their sins so they can be reborn spiritually, so they can become Christians. But they're too afraid that they can't live that life. They can't be faithful. They can't live as faithful Christians, and so they don't become Christians. They don't obey the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 8, we're told that on that final day of judgment, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming back in flaming fire with his mighty angels, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, so ignorance is no, will be no excuse, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the next verse says, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. We're talking about hell again. We're talking about eternal condemnation. And why will they suffer that in so many cases? Because they were afraid they could not live a faithful Christian life. And so they let fear keep them from being saved, keep them from getting to heaven. God says, I'm not going to leave you alone when you become a Christian. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So there's the promise. God says, don't fear, I will be with you in the face of all that the devil throws at you. But many people will lose their souls because they're afraid they can't live the Christian life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for promising to be with us, to protect us against the wiles, the temptations of the devil. 
Help us to put fear out of our lives and to become the Christians you want us to be. We want to be those good and faithful servants. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.